Hi everyone, this is Sean Parker with Fill in the Blank. Today we have a very special guest with us, uh, a member of the Columbus School Board, gentleman by the name of James Ragland. James Ragland is a pioneer in some respects in the modern world in terms of everything that he is doing to reestablish credibility with the school system, with making sure that the kids come first and to look at everything that's encompassed in a modern urban school district so that successful remedies, successful outcomes can happen with kids being the product and kids being the front line of why we do what we do. So welcome, James Ragland. We're so happy to have you here and to get to talk about you and Columbus Schools for a little bit. Well, Sean, thank you, and thank you for uh, having me here on Fill in the Blanks. Appreciate the production team and all the help you guys have given and looking forward to a great conversation today. Great, great, great. Well, what we want to do is we want to learn a little bit about you and then we want to talk about what's happening in the Columbus School District, where opportunities exist, where where things may not be meeting the mark that, that we can do better on and how a school board member such as yourself can be impactful in that recipe. So with that, tell us a little bit about where you came from sure. and how you got here as a as a person who is serving the community and giving so much back. Absolutely. Well, uh, I am born and raised here in Columbus. I was born on the hilltop. Um, my parents got married and we moved all the way to the north side. It's now called Easton. It wasn't called that <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, but uh, it's, it's changed a lot. It's right? changed. It's changed quite a bit uh, yeah. in in thirty five forty years, but. Um, Born and raised here and have seen um, the best that Columbus has had to offer. I am a product of this city. Uh, I've been a member of my church, Oakley Full Gospel Baptist Church, for 38 years. Uh, I'm now deacon uh, at my church. Uh, started off at Highland. I am a district grad, so I graduated from Fort Hayes High School in 1993. Uh, went into the U.S. Army Reserves immediately following that, and then went to Bowling Green State University. Go Falcons. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, and I graduated from Bowling Green, came back home, uh, and started teaching and raising a family. Uh, I taught in a charter school called Millennium Community Schools um, starting in 2002. Uh, then I became the principal of a, another charter school on the north side um, and ended up loving education. Uh, I always saw an opportunity for myself to serve in a broader perspective. And so my mentor at the time uh, told me that I needed to get some legislative experience. Uh, and so I ended up, uh, after we had gained some success with the charter school that I was working with, ended up moving to City Hall and serving as a legislative aide for then Councilwoman Charlita Tavares. Mm -hmm. uh, did that for several, several years. Uh, then she moved on to the state. I moved on to the university district organization and served as its executive director. And that was the first time in 2011 that I ran for the Columbus City Schools Board of Education. Okay. Uh, I did not win that race. Uh, however, um, I was exposed to uh, the board of the Cristo Rey Columbus High School, who at the time was doing some planning, strategic planning to bring that high school here to Columbus. And really, there was some uh, symbiotic relationship between what I was describing back then and what Cristo Rey Columbus was bringing to Columbus uh, at the time. I talked a lot in my first campaign about the need for Columbus students to be able to graduate 
and become productive members of society? Mm-hmm. How do you emphasize workforce development for young people all four years of their high school career? How do you emphasize academic rigor for young people throughout their entire high school career? And Christo Ray Columbus was really planning on doing that uh, on steroids. And so they hired me as the first development director for Christo Ray. And uh, now the school is up and running and has uh, sent, you know, the majority, overwhelming majority of its graduates on to college in the number of years that they've had graduates. Uh, I have raised two children here mm-hmm. in Columbus City Schools as well. Uh, my son is a Walnut Ridge High School graduate. And my go daughter, Scots. Yeah, go Scots. That's right. <laughs> yep. My daughter is an Eastmore graduate. And so, you know, we've got a house divided. Uh, <laughs> okay. Our bitter, bitter rivals, uh, you know, and it's always been that way. But they're both attending college now and, and matriculating quite well. My son is a psychology major. He's getting ready to graduate from Central State University. And my daughter is an agriculture major. And she is in her second year at Kentucky State University. And so um, one of the things that really strikes me and and one of the reasons why I I really want to do this, I understand that my children have access to resources that 99% of the children in Columbus do not. Okay. And understanding that that village that surrounded my children is one of the reasons that they're able to be so successful post-graduation in Columbus City Schools I've got to figure out a way to use every bit of my time, talent, and treasure to get some of those quality relationships and partnerships to the rest of the students that attend Columbus City Schools. And so uh, I understand that this is a calling. I understand that I think differently about how urban education can impact the broader community. And I'm excited about being able to put forth my ideas so that we can see the 47,000 students that are in Columbus City Schools all get the same type of results that my two children got from the district. And so I just really appreciate being on fill in the blank here today. And thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, no, good, good, good things. You know, with that, the, the 47,000 children being educated, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive district. It's a massive budget. No two, no two human beings being alike. Are, are we are we meeting that mark? Are we able to hit that gap on a wide basis? Are we in the right direction? Do you think? Well, parents parents are telling us that we aren't. Okay, unfortunately, you know we've lost a number of students, uh, thousands of students. You know, when I first started with the district, I was appointed in 2018. We had over 50,000 students then. Uh, now we have uh, 47,000, so we're losing uh, we're losing families rapidly. And my response to that is uh, parents are leaving our district for valid reasons. We have some things where we are falling short and have been falling short. And not just uh, this isn't just recent history for Columbus City Schools. This is over a matter of decades. And our slowness in in turning things around for our families and making our product competitive to them uh, is one of the reasons why families are either moving out of the city of Columbus or exercising some of the options that the state has put in place for them to choose other school options here in in town. And you know, if we've got if we've got issues with our schools that we're still addressing in 2021 that should have been addressed in 1991, then that's shame on us if families are saying you're not the best option for my child. And so we've got to do a better job of of taking a student first approach to education. 
I've been an advocate, a, a very vocal advocate for that. Uh, and I'm looking forward to really kind of getting into the weeds around what it takes to take some of our very, very challenging schools and turn them around so that they become some of our best schools. It's really a, a, a murky discussion. Yep. But I don't mind having those types of discussions. We've got to do it or otherwise we're going to continue to see families leave our district. It's not comfortable. And one of the things that's striking me in this conversation is Christo Ray, I'm very familiar with when that was founded. I believe that their college placement rate is in 98% of yes, the most at-risk children that we have. Absolutely. Times Possibly times five. So it's But it's a very small school. They only have the, the capacity to take in a small amount of children. Um, and you are talking about the product. Yes. Education is a product. That's kind of a, that's a little bit of a free market expectation that we actually deliver results. Um, you, you've had opposition from the CEA. And is that because your expectation is, is very high for the kids and that you expect to create an environment where we produce kids that have a love for learning or what do you think what, what do you think that, that 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 that's happening out there because I like what I hear from you well I my colleague describes it as a belief gap uh, between a lot of the adults that are in Columbus City Schools and uh, really what the children can do within our district um, I do expect results I do expect for us to have the same level of academic rigor that you will find in many of our suburban schools or some of our private schools in town. Uh, I expect for our students to meet that mark. Mm -hmm. I expect for our teachers to teach to the level of excellence that is required and is accepted in some of our suburban schools, in some of our uh, you know, non-public non schools or our charter schools within the city. Um, that causes some problems because it's not a comfortable job uh, to be able to do that in an urban school district like Columbus. And mind you, not all of the blame goes to the teachers themselves, but there is an element within our teacher core that does not believe that our children can meet the mark that other schools are meeting. And we've got to purge the district of those types of individuals who do not see a positive future for the young people that they are educating on a day-to-day -day basis. And you know, I, the way I describe it, Sean, everybody knows and owes a teacher. Yeah. Right. And when you think about teachers, most of us our, our go to is to think about the best teacher that really, you know, put a lot of emphasis and really uh, guided us on the way to becoming quality and positive adults. No one thinks about the teacher that really didn't do the job that was needed for us to be successful. Okay. Well, we've got students that are seeing a lot of those teachers within our district as well. And some of our folks, unfortunately, they take this as a nine to five job. It's not necessarily a calling for all of the teachers in Columbus City Schools. And mind you, uh -huh. yes, it's a very stressful job, Sean. Yes. I understand all of that. A teacher on any given day is required to be a social worker, a pastor, a nurse. I mean, all of those extra auxiliary things that uh, aren't necessarily what we want them to be doing, which is really being a quality instructor mm -hmm. and really making sure that the emphasis is on academics. But that is the job that is required of teachers in urban districts right now. And, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and make the student body of Columbus City Schools the same demographic student body as we have in a New Albany or an Olentangy, I would do that. 
Definitely. Mm -hmm. But that is not the job. And so it's incumbent upon all of us, not just the teachers, but board members, bus drivers, lunch ladies, everyone. It's incumbent upon all of us to understand who these children are that are coming in and do our level best to make sure that the level of excellence that they get from us as adults is reflective of what we want to see from them once they graduate. We are not there yet. So, so you were a school principal. Yes, sir. How many other board members served inside of a school building, particularly in a leadership position of a principal? Because a principal is the person who has a unique perspective of seeing what really happens on a daily basis. I'm just curious about that because I think that may uniquely qualify you for this for those comments that you just made that other people may not be able to say with authority. Sure. We have, um, I know board member Beckerly was a teacher for 13 years within the district. She taught at Fort Hayes and at Clinton Elementary. I know board member Cole has served in the classroom as well. Uh, Dr. Tina Pierce is a professor uh, at The Ohio State University, and so obviously a a real deep and rich education uh, background for her. Um, Chief Justice, uh, well, well, Justice Eric Brown uh, was was uh, very highly involved in the court system, but he has served uh, longer than any of us in a board of education capacity. And so uh, a lot of his background comes from being on boards of education, both in the northeast quadrant of the state, as well as in central Ohio. Um, I know that our board president uh, is a lawyer by trade, and she is working for the state now. I'm not sure. I don't believe that she has uh, any teaching background herself, but I know her mother is a, dis- a district teacher uh, as well. And then our vice president, um, Ramona Reyes, is probably uh, a jack of all trades. I know she's been in the nonprofit community. She's worked for Nationwide. Uh, she's done quite a bit. And then uh, I don't think that she's been in the classroom, but I know that she has an extensive volunteer uh, career with youth. Uh, I'm not sure and I don't think that any of our uh, other board members have served as a building leader. Um, I've also been the PTA president at Walnut Ridge and I'm probably, I'm probably more proud of that. That's the hardest job. That is, that is the hardest job uh, of every, every job that I have ever had. But, um, you know, I I do, I do want to say that I have demonstrated leadership both inside and outside of, of schools. And, and I know that And a part of, a part of what the opposition to me from the teachers union is, um, the fact that my ideas are coming from a place where there is demonstrated success for students that is quite different than the approach that Columbus City Schools has taken over a number of decades. And so if you take Crystal Ray Columbus as a microcosm, we are taking the same students at Crystal Ray that are coming from our most challenging communities here in central Ohio. And we're not just taking them and educating them with a rigorous academic curriculum, but those young people are graduating and going to some of the top schools in the country. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a way that is different from Columbus City Schools that, you know, that is that is it's a different way. It's a different approach to educating from the Crystal Ray model. The family engagement is is quite different. Uh, The way that the teachers engage and, and deal with our young people, the access that they give to the young people and their family is quite different. And so, you know, a lot of the things that I know that we were able to do with Crystal Ray because of the dedication of that staff, 
you know, I'm trying to implement in areas that I can with Columbus City Schools. And there is pushback yeah. because you do have a teacher's contract that says, you know, um, there are some things in, in some uh, guardrails that that don't allow you to do certain parent engagement activities with with parents and don't allow for uh, for well, don't require teachers to spend more time after school and some of those other activities that might be more student success driven. Uh, the teachers aren't required to stay for those types of things. And so um, when I talk about some of the needs and you can show that you can demonstrate these on a micro level, it really goes to the foundation of the way that things have been going over the last, you know, 20, 25 years in public education. And that is a threat to them. There are a lot of people who are comfortable adults, happy adults within the district, but then we have a lot of students who are failing. And I don't think that those two things can exist in the same place. If you are required, if we are paying you to do a job for young people, then you should do a job for young people. And I understand that you are trying to do a job. Some of you are, are making the best effort to do a job, but you also know that there are others who aren't meeting the mark. Yeah. And so you've got to work with me on making sure that we get everyone in here on the same page so that student success is at the forefront of all of our thinking, not just numbers of adults that we can increase or decrease for the sake of the power of the union. I think that we've done enough of that, but too many of, of you know, especially black and brown children, mm -hmm. too many of them are finding themselves without quality options once they graduate from our district. Yeah. And we're finding them at the courthouse. We're finding them filling up our jails. We're finding them, unfortunately, filling up our cemeteries here in Central Ohio. And that has to change. So I hear you talking about taking the perspective, and this is an interesting thing, of everything that should happen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, everything that should ha that, that happens in a school district should be focused on the success of the students. Yes, sir. That it shouldn't be built primarily around the teachers, the institution of education. It shouldn't necessarily be built around whether or not we have the best sports team. It needs to be about the academic success of the child first, and then everything else backfills behind that. Yes, sir. Okay. And we, you know, we, we, we implemented a an audit, a curriculum audit from Phi Delta Kappa, which is a highly respectable national organization that does curriculum audits. I wish I was a member. Country. Yeah, right. <laughs> you and I both. And you know, one of the things that Dr. Joanne Stribling, who was the lead auditor on that report, came back and told us was that our contract with our teachers was a deterrent to student achievement. Now, if you think about that. Uh, what does that really mean? And well, that's a quote. I, I didn't see that in the dispatch. No, or the local it was, paper. It was, Why, it that, was, that's big news to it me. It was buried. Okay, that's huge. <laughs> uh, you know, and unfortunately, it was buried because of the COVID crisis. She gave us uh, the report back on this in the midst of us closing schools. And, you know, it was a little known thing. But you can go back in May of 2020. Wow. And you can look at the Columbus City Schools. And we've got it on our Facebook page and on our YouTube. But look at the reports from Dr. Joanne Stribling. And she talked about the the fact that the contract that we have with our CEA does not lend itself to students being successful. And her first finding was telling us that we needed to, as a board, have the courage to do what is necessary so that that contract was negotiated, renegotiated, so that student achievement was at the forefront of everything that we did. And if we do, if we do not 
make the students first in everything that we do, then we're not going to be able to see them become the types of students that we want uh, later on down the line. And I think what we've seen over the last two decades is that parents have realized this as well. There are reasons that are, you know, real obstacles to students being successful in Columbus City Schools. And so parents are saying, well, the state gives me an option to walk. I'm going to walk. And we've got to we've got to correct that. I mean, I've seen that. First of all, the fact that you even said that, I don't think that most people in your position would even talk about the fact because of the fear of the teachers union pushing against you. That you would even open that conversation doorway up that maybe we're not doing things in the best interest. That's pretty brave of you to start with. And then second of all, uh, you touched on to move over a little bit, um, you know, school choice is an issue. We have, I just saw a statistic, over 30% of kids have not returned to the classroom since we've had the COVID. Uh, Parents are looking to take their kids into alternative places, summer homeschooling. Not Mm -hmm. many people really have that option as a legitimate option for because of family, single parent households, other things where it's just it's just not feasible. Um, uh, Wow. I mean, this conversation go 500 different directions. But where do we go? With that comment that, that, that you just talked about, we're not on the right track. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that wow. that people in my position don't necessarily say those things. And, and that has been a part of the problem here in Columbus as well. Uh, we There are no shortage of people who uh, utilize their board service as a catapult to higher political position. And it would be politically expedient of me to just be quiet take the photo ops and, you know, tout the, you know, the party line and say all of the nice things that need to be said and then continue to watch student achievement go through the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, that been, does not been, benefit young that's people. That's what we've been watching for 20-some well, that, years with there's, there's been no shortage of, of people who don't say the right things, don't vote the right way, but they continue to get reelected. I mean, The Ohio State University has a report out, and they, they talk about that specifically. There is no correlation between um, student achievement and board service. You see student achievement go down, and the board continues. No one, no one gets replaced on the board. Well, um, that's a problem in that people don't necessarily say what they need to say in order to see kids move forward. Well, I'm a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that, um, you know, there is quite a bit of opposition from uh, those status quo folks, those powers that be that are used to doing things a certain way, not necessarily providing tangible results for young people or their families here in Columbus, Ohio. But that is what I am act, act actively demanding. That is what I am advocating for. That is what I have demonstrated. And so you've got to you've got to start thinking for yourself. If you're a resident of Columbus, if you're a parent of a Columbus City School student and you say to yourself, well, hey, I can go with the way that things have always gone and vote that way and continue to see the same results that I've been getting. Or I can take a look for myself at what people are advocating for and decide for myself what I want to see for my children yeah. and make a better decision for them. And I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that this fall that people are really, really watching what is going on. I hope so. Um, moving along, the you were the chair of the Audit Committee and the Accountability Committee, the Audit and Accountability Committee for Columbus Schools. Um, we are coming out of still getting rid of the stigma that Columbus schools had back in the Gene Harris, Steve Tankovich days 
when we had the grade fixing and we were promoting kids and graduating kids who were not meeting the academic requirements. Uh, money was not accounted for. People didn't know where it went. There was just all kinds of nonsense going on with Columbus schools. And it was possibly one of the, one of the biggest problems I think we have ever faced because when you steal education from children, those children, the rest of their life, they're fighting to make up that gap sure. so that they can compete in the world. You pass the audit. Under your guidance, that audit came through clean. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> Mr. Tankovich was my uh, my principal in middle school. Um, and he that went, was, he that went was to such, jail. That was an unfortunate. That was an unfortunate uh, situation for all of Columbus. It really did give not just the district but our city. Uh, a national black eye and you know we had teachers that lost their license and you know their their career paths changed yes uh jailed uh for you know a deputy uh, superintendent there and all of the tumult that occurred because of that uh you know and i yes i i have been the chair of the audit and accountability committee and i really took pride uh in doing that job yes for the first time in 20 years columbus city schools has now a clean audit from the state of Ohio. And I am very proud of that. One of the things that we have worked on is having a a positive relationship between department heads within Columbus City Schools that I think really facilitated um, openness, really facilitated an ability to articulate what was necessary for us to identify the systemic challenges that exist within the district and then work together so that the culture is changed so that we're not hiding things from each other. We're not, you know, we're not operating in silos and then wary of another department coming in and trying to improve our systems. And kudos to our treasurer, Stan Bohoric. Kudos to our internal auditor, Carolyn Smith. And kudos to Dr. Talisa Dixon, our superintendent, because they really bought into a change in culture in order for us to get to where we have where we are right now with the state giving us our first clean audit in over 20 years and it is my expectation that this type of culture will persist within the district now mind you here again Sean mm-hmm. um, I made a lot of enemies um, you know going <laughs> after going after yeah. uh, some of those things but it, it really did feel good when the state came back to us and said, hey, listen, you guys are in the wake of, you know, we were facing academic emergency and, and academic distress three years ago. Yes. We were almost in a state takeover status, you know, and so we're climbing out of those things slowly but surely. But when the state came back and they told us, hey, listen, we are satisfied with the way that you all have done this. This the, Your books are looking really, really good. The way that you're working with your young people is looking really, really good. And for the first time in 20 years, we can give you a clean audit. I'm very, very proud of that. So, another, and that's something to be very proud of. It's something that hasn't happened except for under your watch since you've been in that position, which is a wonderful thing. So kudos to you on that. Moving along, um, you were the only person to put opposition to the removal of school resource officers. And we just went through a really trying time in central Ohio with, uh, with a lot of civil, uh, you know, we'll call it civil unrest, we'll call it confusion as well. I mean, chaos, confusion. But in the, in the process of that, the question came up about safety of the kids in the schools and how we do that. And you were uniquely 
the person that said, hey, I, I'm not sure this is a good idea. T- explain that to us a little bit because you stood you stood alone on that. Yeah, and you know, a part of the, the challenge, if you think about it, when the Board of Education made the decision to not renew the contract for our school resource officers, we were operating within a national cauldron. You could turn on the TV and literally, not just our city, but cities all over the country were literally burning um, in in the wake of the George Floyd uh, incident in, in Minneapolis. And I told my colleagues at the time, we should not be making a long-term decision about the safety and security of our students and our staff while we can all turn on the TV and watch the murder of George Floyd being looped over and over again. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way that we can realistically make that type of a decision in the midst of all of that. Well, that was not the consensus for my colleagues. I do want to mention that I think uh, maybe not as forceful as I was, but but I think along the same lines, board member Cole did did believe that that our officers do play a role long term. But what the thing that I really kind of stood out on there is added benefit to having school resource officers inside of our buildings. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our school resource officers were serving as coaches. Uh, a lot of them are doing quite a few positive things uh, within our buildings. They are ingrained within the culture of our buildings to the point where a lot of our staff members really want those school resource officers back in the building and they want them now. Now, here's the problem. The the interesting dynamic with this, at that time, you could not say that you were supportive of school resource officers being in our buildings and then face the backlash that came with this whole you know, broader conversation around anti-police. It was a hot potato. Well, fast forward to now, and a part of the challenges that we are facing is the lack of school resource officers in our buildings even today. Mm -hmm. We've now opened schools back up. We've had several negative situations where schools have been on lockdown because guns have been retrieved from our lockers and, you know, students have been fighting. And we've had a couple of riots that have occurred within our school buildings this year. We have several incidents at some of our athletic events that have been quite unsafe. And so there is a place for our school resource officers from my perspective, you know, and I don't expect my other board members to agree with me on this, but I can justify a means by which we can have our officers in our building. Now, the one thing that I would promote is that we do some joint training with our school resource officers as well as the Columbus City Schools safety and security team on culture, on how to deal with young people. Of course, we don't want a police officer policing our schools as if they are on the street. That's not what we want. But inside the culture and climate of our buildings, I think our own safety and security team can help our school resource officers get there and and create an environment where those officers are working in concert with our staff, in concert with our students. I think we had that. You know, in many ways we had, we didn't have a number of negative incidents with our school resource officers prior to all of that. But I think this this the 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 non-renewal of the contract was because of all of the national pressure that was put on everybody during that time well we're paying the price for that right now mm-hmm. and it is my goal that we would hurry up this conversation and get those resource officers back inside our building because they played such a pivotal role in the success of our young people 
you know, I, I just don't. And of course, you know, folks were protesting at my home and, you know, I, I welcome that because it's something that I'm, I am okay with standing on, even yeah. if I have to stand alone. That's got to be unnerving that. though, to have protesters in your yard. Is that, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think that's the way of the world today and, and okay. standing on your convictions uh, if all if all it takes is you know me uh, getting true green Kimlon out there to to put a little <laughs> bit more down so that that grass could grow back, okay. then that's okay. But it, it felt good that they were you know exercising their right to say what they had to say. I was adamant about the fact that I did not agree with them, yeah, and that was okay. And I think that's a part of of some of the things that we've got to start doing, thinking about not just here in the state of Ohio, but nationally too. It's okay if we disagree on some things. That doesn't make you my enemy. That doesn't make you a bad person because I stand on one side of a, of of, a, of an issue and you stand on the other. It's okay for us to listen to one another and make the best choices. And I don't think we're doing enough of that right now. And we're starting to see our society as a whole start to fray because we don't listen we don't take into account that someone who may be on an opposite side of an issue from me is still a human being they're still an american they're still someone that we can have some values with um, we just say well okay you don't agree with me on one thing so you know we're enemies and i am not that type of a person and so you know i told them if you guys want to come back and you want to protest again and you know Hey, that's that's quite all right, but I'm not going to change my mind. <laughs> well, well, so so that leads into one of the other things I wanted to ask you about. You you took a, a a bold step, and I'm sure you had to look very deep inside yourself to do this because a lot of people said don't don't meet with this person. It was a former secretary of the Department of Education of the United States wanted to come to Columbus and have a conversation. And it's a person, Betsy DeVos was her name. Uh, she, you know, she, she had a, a lot of innovative ideas, a lot of interesting ideas. Uh, Columbus uh, didn't like the fact that, that anyone would even meet with her because of the fact that her politics were conservative or that she was a Republican, one of the two, or that she served under the Trump administration. I guess that could be a, th- a third thing. You felt that that conversation needed to be had. Can you tell us a little bit about what that decision process was in your mind as into how you came there? Certainly. Um, you know, really, at, at the time, Sean, this was in August of 2020. We had closed schools in March of that same year, and we had spent time from March until August working with our local health experts about a school reopening plan to get schools back open and to get students the best, highest quality education that we could give them. Well, what we determined was that our our school reopening plan that was really fed to us by our health experts uh, was $100 million short as far as our budget was concerned. We didn't have the money. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. At the time, the president and the U.S. Secretary of Education, Ms. DeVos, were talking about cutting Title I funds from districts with a school reopening plan like ours. So what they were saying was you've either got to open up um, fully um, to have students come back into your buildings or we may cut Title I, which is uh, roughly about $37 million in more funding for schools that is specifically designed for at-risk young people. And so that's that's literally our entire district. Yeah. You know, and so Absolutely. they were talking about not just, you know, we have a $100 million budget shortfall, but we may cut Title I funds unless you open up all the way. 
Prior to the actual meeting, I met with the staff for the U.S. Secretary of Education. And some of the things that they were telling me was, you know, we're calling on you to give us a straight answer. Okay. You know, we don't want you to come in and and tow a particular line. We want to hear precisely what it is that you're doing, what you're up against. How can we be helpful? And we want you to give us a straight answer. And, uh, you know, when we got to the meeting, I spoke with the secretary about some of the challenges that we had. Okay. She started talking about more local control for cities like ours and other large cities around the country. They backed away from the cutting of the Title I funds, and they implemented a bit more to get us more resources from the federal government. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of the conversations that I was having and some of the other leaders from around the country that were really giving her um, good information, on-the-ground information, and that is what she was looking for. I wasn't the only one to do that. They had meetings like that all over the country where she listened to local leaders, to statewide leaders about what it was that they needed, and they did respond to what we needed. Now, I cannot control who was in the Oval Office at sure. that time. Um And for me, I felt like I would be derelict in my duty if I am one of seven members of a board of education for the largest school district in this state, and I get a call from the United States Secretary of Education, and I avoid that call for partisan politics. That is not um, what I swore to do when I took the oath to represent the young people here in Columbus, Ohio. And I don't care what political party you are. If you are a member of a board of education and the United States Secretary of Education calls you for advice, particularly when you're short $100 million for a school opening plan that was going to take place in, in two weeks, you take that call, you take that meeting, and you represent the people who elected you to represent them. Now, I've faced considerable backlash. Uh, for yeah, I, w- that. I wanted to ask you about that because here you go out, save all this money for the kids, um, but but because it's politically unpopular to 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 step across that 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 wall that they tried to build, how did that? What they do? I mean, how? how well, that, how? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the scratching te- my head the, here. Well, the teachers' union rescinded their endorsement of me, and and I think you know that was really more petty than anything. You know, it's an important thing, though. I mean, well, it is. But I think if I would have called them in advance and told them the secretary was coming and gave them two weeks notice so they could show up out there and make the whole thing about them, I wouldn't have a problem right now. You know, they'd want to protest and they want to make it known that they didn't agree with her policies and all of those other types of things. Well, I didn't do that. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do that. It, It is about the kids. We had serious, serious issues to discuss and come up with solutions for. And so I had, you know, other state lawmakers that were in that meeting as well. And they were able to talk to the secretary about what we needed as a state. We had other local leaders that were in that meeting as well. And so, you know, the Franklin County Democratic Party, they, they've rescinded their endorsement of me as well because, um, you know, I had the audacity to meet with someone who they felt was politically unpopular. Well, if I had to make that same decision today, I'd make it all over again and I'd do the exact same thing that I did before. For me, you don't avoid that meeting. Yeah, you know, in in quite quite frankly, she's got thirty two million dollars in her pocket. You've well, got to hey, get that money here. That's right. We've got to we've got to keep that money here, and we've got to be willing to listen to and give our ideas to folks that are on the other side of the aisle. We're not going to you know make a lot of people change their mind, but I think 
we're going to have some good dialogue. We're going to be able to meet on the level, tell each other what we really feel is happening, and then go about our way trying to do our level best to make things right for our young people. And I really do believe that Secretary DeVos was doing that. That is why she was coming here and to other areas around our state and around the country so that she could get some honest perspective from people. Now, the fact that I was chosen for that role, that's okay with me. Yeah. I'm okay. I had to take that. I had to, and it wasn't, it wasn't a tough decision for me. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I if I get, you know, put out of office because I made the decision as an office holder to meet with the United States Secretary of Education, what, God what, God will provide for me. <laughs> but, but but what a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. And what a cheating of the children if someone like yourself who is willing to step across every bridge that needs to happen even when there is no bridge you'll swim across to take care of the kids you'll jump in the water and you'll swim um to 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 create those opportunities for kids um that's concerning i I mean that we that people would play the game at that level when children are at stake well i I appreciate that sean but you know it, it, it for me like i said i i'd make that decision all over again our kids are far too important to play politics with them. What about, uh, so, so we, we, we talk about unity and division, and let's talk about you getting another term in office. Um, how, do you, how do you help build that forward? How do we, how do we create a, a place where we can work together for our children? And also, what goals do you have for that next section of Absolutely. your life? And thank you for that question. You know, first and foremost, I think – the highest quality facilities that we can provide for our young people. I think some of the things that we have talked about over the last three years, how do we improve the facilities in which our students are learning in? We've got a facilities master plan process in place right now. We're engaging the public so that we see what the next iteration of Columbus City Schools literally looks like. And getting involved and saying, hey, listen, we've used um, the good things that we see at Upper Arlington, the good things that we see at Pickerington, the good things that we see in Olentangy schools, as far as the built environment. Mm -hmm. And we want to bring a lot of those things to Columbus City Schools and or better. How do we get to that point is a huge part of what I what I want to continue to engage in. We've just put forth a five year strategic plan that was ratified by the Board of Education that really talks about how we communicate with the public, how we interact with our own staff and how we engage in with students so that they can be the types of graduates that we want to see from our district. And those are the, the, the real, real nuts and bolts of what it is that we have to do. Academic rigor is really at the forefront of what I want to see us focus on. I want for an A at Columbus West High School to be equivalent to an A at Bexley or an A at Pickerington or an A at Hilliard-Davison. You know, we've got to do what's necessary so that our schools have the same type of academic rigor that you can expect anywhere in Franklin County or any positive school here in the state of Ohio. And so that's a huge part of our discussion. We have to change the expectations for the outcomes for our students with our staff and with their families, quite frankly. But it's something that we've got to do. Uh, How do we interact with the public at large? Columbus City Schools has a a $2 billion organization. We do a terrible job of communicating with the people that currently, you know, that we are supposed to be serving. And so a part of what I've been working on 
is using the opportunities that we have where the public does gather to really put a strong emphasis on district participation in the events that are taking place. And so what we've seen uh, over this fall and this last summer, increased participation with our youth athletic leagues that have thousands of families Mm -hmm. uh, coming to our sites, you know, throughout the weekend on the weekends. You know, we may not have PTAs at all of our schools, but I've got access to thousands of families on any given Saturday because they're watching students play football and cheer and do all of those types of things. Mm -hmm. Let's engage them where they are. That way we can reach them and we can provide more wraparound services for them. So obviously, you know, what we're doing to make our schools safer for the health environment is a huge part of what it is that we're doing. We've got these short-term American Rescue Plan dollars that are, you know, really within the district right now. Taking those dollars, trying new ideas so that we can see what will drive our general fund budget moving forward is very important to me. So the short-term dollars that we have, the American Rescue Plan dollars, uh, ESSER dollars that we have, they're for student achievement. We can try new ideas there, new ideas that can say, well, hey, if we track it and we show that because of these new ideas, students are achieving at a higher level, they're smarter, they're more equipped to go to the next grade level, then we can make some changes and adjustments to our general fund budget to say, okay, in the future, we're going to start funding these initiatives now because it really gives us a hard reset with COVID to try new things. And I'm excited about the fact that we're doing that. I'm excited about some of the changes that we're going to be able to make because of the data that we're tracking for student achievement right now. Mm -hmm. And I want to see us move forward to become the, the best urban district in the United States of America. I think we've got the local partners that can help us do that. We've got more than enough corporations that are willing to help this school district. We've just got to rethink the way that we operate as a district. And I think we're on the on the way to doing that. Um, it helps if I'm at the forefront yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in doing that. And, and I'm not shy about that. Uh, I do understand that a lot of uh, the things that I am doing uh, might be new and innovative ideas that might not fit the status quo. But um you know, we've got to try something different because we've seen the way that we do things not lead to student success. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and start wrapping up. I want to just say to our listeners, guys, James Ragland is our guest. James Ragland is a person who is on the forefront of moving the Columbus Public School District into the future in a positive, meaningful way. He is a man who loves the children has an expectation of excellence, and is truly, truly wanting to move this thing forward, to have kids achieve at the highest level that they possibly can as human beings. And it's it's beautiful to have this conversation with you, James. I wish you well. Folks, take a hard look at James Ragland and what he's doing out there for Columbus Schools. He is one of the bright spots in our community. Thank you very much, Sean. Folks can learn more about me at raglanforcolumbus.com. I am on Raglan for Results on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but if you just want to you know, know a little bit more about what it is that we're doing, please go to my website. But also, please follow along with what we're doing with Columbus City Schools. Everyone can engage in our facilities master plan process right now. 
go on to the Columbus City Schools Facebook page and uh, Instagram page. Like our page so that you can get more information about what it is that we're trying to do. I want you to reimagine Columbus City Schools and see what we can be in the future. We need the help of all of your listeners and all of your network uh, to do that. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show today. Pleasure is ours. Thank you. Keep doing what you do. Hey, thanks for giving us your time to listen. You've been listening to Fill in the Blank with Sean Parker, where we talk about the issues of politics and the geopolitical marketplace, as well as economics. If you like our channel, please subscribe to us at Fill in the Blank on YouTube, and be sure to listen every week as we come back to you with some of the most thought-provoking people of the day. And learning is always the key to what we're trying to do.